Hello, and welcome back to God Loves Kids TV. We hope you're enjoying Pastor Phil's message imparted from God entitled, A Perfect Father. Today, part two of the message, The Process of Blessing. Back to Pastor Phil. God continues to work in our life. Why? Because he's conforming us to the nature and image of Christ Jesus. So why a parenting course becomes a, a discipleship course? It's very simple. We needed to make this culturally neutral. We wanted a biblical parenting course that was not filled with, with illustrations from North America. And so what do we do? God dropped it in my heart that he described himself. He, he could have described himself any way he wanted to. He could have described himself as a tree. Uh, you know, uh, Shirley MacLaine would have loved that. Uh, you know, the, the, the New Age movement in the 60s was peace and love, and in the 80s it was a BMW, and in the 90s they relabeled themselves. They looked like a church bus. They were constantly changing their language, but Shirley MacLaine went out on her limb and never came back, you know? And, uh, and this thing about the New Age is it's just reconstituted Hinduism, and if you've ever been to India, you see the demonic aspect of Hinduism. You heard me right. The demonic aspect of Hinduism. Hinduism is not a religion. It's a satanic counterfeit. Okay? And it has a destructive, deeply destructive impact in people's lives. I don't hate Hindus. I hate Hinduism. I don't hate Islam. I mean, I don't hate Muslims. I hate Islam. I hate what Islam does in people's lives. You say, well, that's not politically correct. You're, you better believe it's not politically correct. Okay? It is evil. Islam and Hinduism are both evil. They are not co-equals with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are counterfeits. The bar is a counterfeit of the church. And so Satan has his counterfeits out there of, of Christianity. And so getting back to this, I understood that God described himself as a perfect father. He is the perfect father. Now, my father wasn't perfect. I had a great dad, awesome dad. Uh, uh, on so many levels, my dad was uh, incredible. But he was not perfect, right? He was not perfect. I hope that I would be a great dad, and I, I think I was a great dad, but I certainly was not perfect. So God is so much better than greatness in our earthly fathers, and if your earthly father had the negatives, you look at the negative side, God is nothing like that. Right? He is the perfect father. Now, if he described himself as a perfect father, and we're described as sons, and we're described as being conformed to the nature and image of his firstborn son, Christ Jesus, and this is the essence of his description of our relationship, then God must know how to father. If he's the perfect father, then his behavior, he said, you know, if you as, as earthly fathers know how to give good things, even with all the negatives in your life, you know how to give good things to your kids. How much more do I do? How much more am I the perfect father? That was the question. And so when we look at scripture, and, and believe me, as I teach in the future, I'll use more scriptures out of the word. I just wanted to share where we're coming from today. Um, as we look at scripture, 
we see God having a parenting style. God has things that he does. In fact, to be honest with you, uh, I see all theology simply as the behavior, parental behavior of a perfect father. <clears throat> this eliminates so much uh, of, of the tension we see in the body of Christ. You know, I grew up Pentecostal. I grew up uh, uh, in Assemblies of God. And uh, my father was an incredible pastor in the Assemblies, well-respected, uh, actually carried papers with the Assemblies when he, when he went to the grave, uh, along with about four or five other ministerial associations. They invited him back. It was so rare. They allowed, allowed him to do basically what he wanted to do. Uh, and I thank God for the impact of the Assemblies of God worldwide. But, uh, but the bottom line is, is that uh, there is a performance aspect to Christianity as it's presented in the Assemblies of God. Now, you may not like that. You may not like me saying that, but I grew up in it. I know. I mean, uh, my grandmother was an awesome woman of prayer, but she was so legalistic. She chased off my grandfather. Uh, and so there, there is this out of balance there. There's an out of balance in other camps of the body of Christ. And I'm not saying I have it all right, but I'm saying that if you view Christianity from the perspective of not theology, but behavior, God's behavior as a perfect father, you're going to find that the, the tension between Jesus' commands that require obedience, that require uh, us to perform, to do things, and there are commands that require us to do things, there's a reason for those, but that reason is not to maintain sonship. Did you hear me? The reason for those demands, the reason for those disciplines, of, the, of Christianity are not to maintain sonship. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. So the, the, the idea is that these behaviors begin with what we call the process of blessing. Okay? And, uh, and so if, if you want to, to define this blessing, it is the fact that, that our children receive from us and we receive from God four things before we ever do anything for him. And the, the process of blessing is, uh, let me see, I can find it here. I want to read it to you. Uh, it, it, it is the fact that you are known, that you are unconditionally accepted, that you are unconditionally loved and you have your needs met, your fundamental needs met. That's the process of blessing. Now that's not an event of blessing. And, and as I teach on this, you'll see that. It's not an event, it's a process. It happens daily. Events are great. You know, a wedding is a, an event of blessing, a bar mitzvah is an event of blessing. Well, many times we'll pull our children aside and bless them uh, and, uh, and have some sort of rite of passage. Uh, like a bar mitzvah, those are wonderful events, they communicate it, but it is the daily process of blessing that is the foundation of, of parental love that God gives us. It's before we do anything, it's prevenient grace having an impact in our life where God loved us even before he created the universe. 
It was his love that drove him to create time and to create the universe as it exists today. And he knew when you would be born. You know, David basically said in Psalms, it blows his mind how well God knows him, that he knew his thoughts from afar off. He knew his fears. I mean, God knows everything about you. You're not one in a billion if you grew up in China or India. You're not one in 300 million if you were born here. You are, you are known by God by your name. He knew you would be born. You're not an accident. You didn't just appear and God figure out how, what he's going to do with you. Okay, Mom and dad, people have, have sex, they make love, but God makes babies. That eternal soul born into that child that will exist forever, you know, and hopefully it'll exist in the presence of God. Right? But, but that eternal soul is part of God's plan and he has it all under control. So if we look at the process of blessing where God knows us, he unconditionally accepts us, not based on what we do, but based on whose we are. Who, who do you belong to? Whose passport do you have? In fact, I, I say often, God doesn't send people to hell. He lets them go home to be with their father. Where you sp spend eternity will be in your papa's house. Right? You live your whole life for, for demonic purposes and you die devoid of a relationship with your heavenly father, you'll spend your eternity with the father that you related to on this earth. Uh, sorry, that's just the way it is. So, so you get to spend eternity with your father. I'm going to spend eternity with my father. You're going to spend eternity with your father. And the choice you have is, is to choose to accept the free gift of salvation offered to you, purchased for you by the blood of Jesus Christ, shed on the cross, on Calvary, resurrected on the third day to conquer death, hell, and the grave. You can choose that to become a son or daughter of the living God, or you can reject it. It's your choice. Right? But God has set in motion that when you do choose it, that you're grafted into the tree of life, that you are a son and daughter, that the life flow of God starts to manifest itself in your very DNA, that your cell structure is changed, your brain function has changed, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's an unfortunate illustration, but it worked. You put a cat in a microwave and you turn it on, it's going to change. The force changing it is invisible, but it changes. You know, we had, we, my dad was an early adopter, what they call an early adopter. He, he, when microwaves first came out, they weren't invented for home use. They were used in boats primarily and on airplanes. Uh, because of, of the ability to cook something fast and, and then take up a small space. And so my dad bought my mom for Christmas. Can you believe it? For Christmas. He buys her an appliance for Christmas. He, he buys this beautiful blue microwave, deep blue microwave with, with nautical symbols all over it. I mean, it was incredible technology at the time. Nobody had one. Everybody would come to our house and stare at the microwave. It was several years before they were, they were in everybody's home. Well, it came with an egg cup. 
Now, you know, if it comes with a cup to cook an egg in it, you should be able to cook an egg in it, right? So I cracked the egg in. Of course, I didn't read the directions. That would be ludicrous, you know? Uh, and so I put the egg in. I pushed the button to cook the egg. It came out. It looked like a cooked egg. I don't know why I cooked an egg. I don't really even like eggs that well. And I guess maybe this event is part of the reason I don't like them so well. And so I stuck my fork in that egg and it exploded. I mean, it blew up like a bomb. It, it was so loud. People heard it throughout the house and microscopic pieces of egg went all over our kitchen. We had a kitchen that, that had an 18 foot long bar in it. And, and, um, and so it was, a, it was a big kitchen and there was egg everywhere on the ceiling, on the floor. Uh, everywhere there were little tiny pieces of egg that microwave invisible force had fundamentally changed the structure of the egg into something unrecognizable okay so when you become born again there is this power that starts to flow in your life and at first it flows without you doing anything. That's what we call a process of blessing. God knows you, okay? He unconditionally accepts you. That's the way we operate with our children. That's the way we should operate with our spouse. Unconditional acceptance, why? Because they're yours. You know, I don't have to unconditionally accept a child in Walmart. You know, they're not mine, okay? They don't belong to me, but you know, my children were my children, not because I woke up in the morning going, how am I going to use my kids today? What are they going to do for me today? No, I woke up in the morning wanting relationship, wanting trust, you know, wanting to have intimacy with my children, wanting to uh, interact with my children. I never, I never once thought about what my children would do for me. And so, unconditional acceptance. When I, when I operate in unconditional acceptance, it's an attitude of the heart. I, I have to have a fundamental attitude in my mind that I'm going to unconditionally accept my children. Unconditional acceptance before you wig out on me, before you judge me. And, and by the way, don't even bother to write me a complaint or a correction with this teaching. This is so internalized. This is what I believe. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, just go on down the road. Okay, there's no reason to communicate with me. Uh, you're not gonna fundamentally change what I believe or what I'm doing here. I've been in ministry since I was 18 years old. I'm 56 today. Uh, this has been a work of the Holy Spirit over a long period of time in my life. And, uh, and so, you know, if you wanna argue theology, just go on down the road. If you wanna receive from this, that's fine. And, uh, and he said, boy, you, you got a little bit of attitude. You better believe I have an attitude, okay? So if you like what we're doing here, great. If you don't, that's fine. I don't expect to please everybody. In fact, I expect to offend about 25% of the people I talk to in any given moment. Uh, they're not gonna like me for whatever reason because I have long hair or, or I'm a little overweight or whatever that reason is. Just go on down the road, okay? Uh, we're just going to, you, you make a negative comment on Facebook or something, we're just going to delete it. We're not going to argue with you. So the idea here is that God blesses us. How does he bless us? He has a, he has a, 
a fundamental process that he takes every believer through. He knows them. He unconditionally accepts them. Unconditional acceptance is not unconditional approval. You're not going to get well done thy good and faithful servant just because you are a son. You have to do certain things to receive the approval and blessing of God. You have to submit yourself to his discipleship program. And yet, we have unconditional acceptance fundamentally because of whose we are, who we belong to, whose DNA is operational in our life. His presence surrounds us as the hills surround Jerusalem, as I said before, and I will keep saying. So you are unconditionally accepted, but not unconditionally approved. You know, if, if I called my dad and said, Dad, you know, I was thrown in jail for driving 150 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone. I've got a really nice car. I, uh, I decided that I wanted to do this. It was, it was my choice to drive 150 miles an hour to break the law. You know what my dad's response would have been? Uh, son, I'll be happy to visit you in jail and pray with you, but I'm not bailing you out. Right? He wouldn't have responded, you know, son, your name is Phillips. You're my son. I'm sure those policemen just mistreated you and and didn't see you for who you really are. And I know you broke the law, but gee, son, you know, uh, that's okay. You're a good guy. You know, you, you're, you're just a, a fundamentally wonderful person and, and I'm gonna ignore it. I'm gonna ignore the fact you broke the law. I'm gonna ignore the fact that, that you endangered others. I'm gonna ignore all this negative behavior in your life. Uh, no, that is not a good father. Good fathers don't ignore negative behavior. They correct negative behavior. So if you are going to depend on the unconditional acceptance of God, which is, by the way, drum roll please, the best definition of grace I've ever found. It's where grace starts. It's not the finished place, but it starts at the unconditional acceptance of God. His grace extends to us to accept us just as we are, not leaving us there but just as we are, and we will always be accepted every day just as we are. That's the grace of God, just as you are. Every day, no matter where you're at in your Christian walk, God will accept you just as you are. Why? Because you're his son or daughter. And then it requires his unconditional love. Now, the thing you need to understand is that when I say unconditional love, a lot of people will think that unconditional love is the whole picture of God's love. No, it's not the whole picture of God's love. It's where love starts for God. Is that I love you unconditionally. But then there's this huge plethora, and I'll teach on this later, of love that God manifests in our life beyond unconditional love. And so unconditional love is a wonderful concept. And, and love, whether it's unconditional or the other aspects of love, love requires action. You know, John communicated in his book that, that we're to love one another, not with words, but with action. That we are to act upon our love for one another. And by this love for one another, the world would know that we are, are Jesus' disciples. Not billboards, 
not uh, advertising campaigns, not television shows, not even this video, communicates to the world that we are the disciples of Jesus. What communicates to the world that we are disciples of Jesus is that we can practice the behavior of the Father toward one another. See, this isn't just a, a parenting seminar. It's not just a, uh, a personal enrichment seminar. It teaches me how to live life, how to live grace. It's easy to preach grace. It's very difficult to live it in a, in a, in a body, to understand what my role is in the body and to live in grace with the people around me. And one of the things that, that allows me to live in grace with the people around me is that I have unconditional love for them, regardless of their behavior, just because they are planted in the same body that I am. Now, again, that unconditional love doesn't require me to love or accept their behavior. No father is a good father if he accepts every behavior of a child. That's not what love is. But love requires an action, and that's why Jesus had to come and die for us on the cross, is because God could have tried to communicate it to us in words over and over and over again that he loves us, but it required a sacrifice. See, I, I tell young people often, you know, that little boy comes and asks you out on a date uh, and he wants to take you out and he, he says that he loves you. And, and the, the big question in your mind, young ladies, is what is he willing to give up for me? Because marriage requires that you give up some things. Guys, you know, you know, we give up other women because we're married to one. We give up uh, our time, our space. Uh, parenting requires us to give up some things. I was sitting in a guy's living room one day and his five-year-old daughter ran through the living room and he looked at her and he said to me, there goes my bass boat. Your bass boat? Yeah, there goes my bass boat. Now I knew what happened. The, the, the child was born a little premature and there was some serious medical bills and he sold his precious bass boat to pay off the hospital. So when he saw that little kid running through, he had paid a price for that child to be there. You know, he didn't run away. He didn't abdicate his role as dad. He stepped up to the plate and made a sacrifice. We hope you enjoyed part two of this three-part series, A Perfect Father, The Process of Blessing. God Loves Kids is an international ministry dedicated to helping the neediest children in the world find hope for a new beginning and a better story. Now, if you enjoyed this teaching, please let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. If the Lord has put it on your heart to help us with our three ongoing missions in Utila, Nepal, and Uganda, please follow the links below to contribute. Or you can visit our website, www.godloveskids.com. If you're interested in more biblical teaching from God Loves Kids, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and click the bell so you'll be the first to hear about any new content from GLK TV. Also, help us spread the word of God by liking and sharing this message. Join us next time for part three of Pastor Phil's series. We'll see you there. Until then, this is Randy Capes for God Loves Kids reminding you to love everyone you can. Amen.